the other thing too with the mirrors too is besides the idea of him seeing himself these women are dead and he's putting mirrors in their eyes and in a way to put mirrors in somebody's eyes is to keep the eyes alive mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. because the eyes are still reflecting what's really going on still outside right so to speak exactly. yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> you sounded really excited about that David. oh I know. <laughs> did not love that that was that was juicy the big hormone enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovic, uh, sexual self-pres, over the five wing, four five eight trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pres, sexual nine with one nine seven four trifix. What up? It's Emika. I'm an eight wing seven. Sexual self prez with eight five four fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy. I am a self prez social three wing four with a three six nine trifix. If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. Manhunt is a beautiful film. Oh, I love oh, it. Yeah. I knew you guys oh, would like man. it. Yeah. Michael Mann, he does, uh, I just forgot because I was on a big Michael Mann kick uh, when I first started like really getting into films and Heat was one of my favorite films just because it was just like a crime movie, but it was just beautifully shot. And watching this film again, I was like, man, this dude really cares about aesthetics. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's so much, maybe we should save our glow for. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I, uh, love man. Watching and hearing you say that that was the first serial killer that the sexual four i was like yeah one thousand <laughs> yeah. percent i was surprised i was like this is kind of like um you kind of have to know something about this type or archetype to really create a character that seems so real because it was just really well done i was like wow okay. uh, it was it was like watching it was like really uh striking for me all right welcome to uh big hormone enneagram we're taking a break from the harmonics and uh we're gonna be doing big flick energy uh the second uh submission after we did uh, the netflix series dark we are gonna look today at the movies uh silence of the lambs by who's it by uh jonathan demi is the director jonathan demi and manhunter by michael mann particularly we're gonna look at the uh, un- trying to understand image and the image center through the lens of the killers that are in the movie, movies, and um, you know how uh, Buffalo Bill and the Tooth Fairy and Hannibal Lecter reflect different aspects of the uh, emotional center, image and transformation, things like this. But also um, to back up first, these two movies uh, are based on novels by a guy named thomas harris and even though silence of the lambs and manhunter are different directors different cast uh the source material comes from the same universe so silence of the lambs starring uh jodie foster and uh what uh god what's his name um anthony hopkins anthony hopkins it was a big hit and so they made a prequel with Anthony Hopkins and uh, Edward Norton called The Red Dragon and Ralph Fiennes. Manhunter was made in the 80s, whereas Sound Slams was made in the 90s. And Manhunter is uh, 
based on the same material as the Red Dragon, uh, but it's totally different universe. So, like Hannibal Lecter shows up in both Manhunter and Silence of the Lambs, played by Brian Cox in Manhunter. So, if you're gonna watch these movies, and I recommend you do because they're fucking great. Uh, spoiler alert: uh, we're gonna spoil everything. So, so wait, you're you're telling people that they should watch Manhunter instead of watching Red Dragon because that's I think Red version. Dragon sucks. Yeah. yeah, wasn't uh, and isn't it the exact same story? Yeah, like like uh, Red Dragon, they tried to replicate the chemistry between Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins with having, you know, Jodie Hopkins is clearly Clarice Starling, who is this young FBI trainee who is supposed to coerce or get Hannibal Lecter to help her and the FBI figure out who Buffalo Bill is, this murderer that's. Uh, abducting women and with man with red dragon it focuses on the character of will graham who's in manhunter as well but uh played by ed norton and he's the guy he's the character that brings hannibal lecter into prison and even though uh there is this element in both manhunter and red dragon of trying to get hannibal lecter's insight and help Red Dragon focuses way too much on Hannibal Lecter and Edward Norton, and they just don't have the kind of chemistry and the kind of there's not the tension there that made Silence of the Lambs so great. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Part of the magic of <clears throat> the original Silence of the Lambs oh, movie, as compared to all the other uh, ones that had Anthony Hopkins, I think there's two more that had him mm-hmm. as Hannibal Lecter, um, is the two later ones with anthony hopkins had him on screen a lot and the magic of silence of the lambs is believe it or not he was only on screen in that movie like 11 minutes yeah and so it's like really potent and you don't see him and it's it's darker and scarier because it's sort of like his presence is looming over the movie right Right. in a in a certain way yeah, I so I want to give a quick overview of the the plots of these movies. And most people are familiar with Silence of the Lambs, so maybe it's the place to start um, in terms of an overview. But uh, so Silence of the Lambs, a lot of people have seen, as I said, Jodie Foster plays Clarice Starling, a young FBI trainee who's hunting a serial killer called Buffalo Bill. And Buffalo Bill... Uh, is known for abducting women, uh, keeping them for three days without sexually harming them or anything, but keeping them and, and, and starving them or something, and, and then skinning them and disposing of the bodies. And it's you know this real heinous serial killer, and the FBI just can't figure out how to catch him. And so there's, I don't remember exactly why or how, but they, they understand that Hannibal Lecter is connected to Buffalo Bill. And so they send Clarice Starling, who's very young and inexperienced, to this interview Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter is a psychologist or psychiatrist and like a very sophisticated fancy boy and um, really good at mind games and reading people immediately. And uh, they have this very powerful and potent dynamic between them where they're kind of playing each other, but there's also a sort of mutual respect that forms between uh, Jodie Foster's character and Anthony Hopkins' character. And it culminates in finding uh, Buffalo Bill and rescuing uh, 
a girl he has trapped in his one of the well in his basement. Where it relates to the image center is that first, I think Hannibal Lecter is portrayed as a social self prez three with a four wing. Would you all agree with that? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Buffalo Bill, I don't I don't think his type is less clear, but he seems to me to be maybe a four with a three wing. In uh, Silence right. of the Lambs. In Silence of the Lambs. It's possible. And yeah, I mean, it's not it's not portrayed particularly clearly, but I mean, there is that whole image thing. Yeah. And if yeah, he's not a he's not a three. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, and then going to Manhunter, which takes place chronologically before Silence of the Lambs, and this is my case for why Buffalo Bill might be a three four. Mm-hmm. But uh, Manhunter is about uh, a FBI agent mm-hmm. named Will Graham who. Uh, deeply scarred by uh, when he brought Hannibal Lecter into, you know, into custody before the, like, you know, before the movie takes place. And he's sort of like in retirement and recovering from that trauma and living on the beach. And uh, he's brought in for one last case. And um, Crawford, or uh, excuse me, um, Graham's like ability is that he's really good at putting himself in the place of, or imagining the motives or the, what's going on in the serial killer's mind um what their like symbolic logic is and he can kind of like lose himself in picturing and playing out and reenacting what the serial killer was experiencing and dreaming of and thinking of and so it's very taxing so he goes and he gets dragged into the case he does consult uh, Hannibal Lecter some but Gradually over time, you uh, learn that the serial killer is named, he's nicknamed the Tooth Fairy. And what he does is he enters the homes of, uh, like, in the suburbs of, like, suburban homes. Uh, he enters and he kills the whole family. And he performs, I think, I think it's like some sexual rituals with the, with the, with the woman, the, the wife of the family, the mother. And uh, he'll break glass. And he'll put glass in the eyes of the uh, of the of the dead. M- mirrors. Mirrors. Yeah, mirrors. Yeah. And um, there's this whole thing where he has like these dentures that he bites them, and um, leaves a kind of the, 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 where he's given the name the Tooth Fairy. His his real name is Francis Dollarhide, and uh, there's this whole kind of ritualistic aspect to the killings that uh, Graham is tasked for trying to understand and figure out. And um, in the case of both the tooth fairy, Francis Dollarhide and uh, Buffalo Bill, who I think is named James gum or something in the movie, both. So I was, I was struck by watching Manhunter because Manhunter to me, the killer is a sexual four with a five wing. So that's my type. And I was like, holy shit. Like I, (laughs) John's watching himself. (laughs) Yeah. I was really struck. Uh, And in the case of both these characters, there's this huge emphasis, both Buffalo Bill and the Tooth Fairy on uh, transforming their identity and a rejection of their current identity or understanding or experience of self and trying to become something else and in in a kind of a ritualistic, abstract, symbolic way. And that emphasis on symbol as a carrier of identity and of this sense of, uh, you know, I guess frustration that who and what I am is not what I'm supposed to be and these sort of grandiose morphing into something more grandiose. So like the Tooth Fairy character 
the sexual four, uh, he is becoming an, an identity called the red dragon. And, um, you know, his teeth are a symbol of this and you don't see it in the movie, but it was used in the promotional, like the poster and stuff like this. He's got a big red dragon tattoo from William Blake's, um, there's another sexual four with the five, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. From, <clears throat> from the great, the great red dragon and the woman clothed in the sun painting that William Blake did. And with the woman that he's like the, the mother of the families that he attacks, he, um, he, you know, she is somehow taking the role of mm-hmm. the woman clothed in the sun. So anyway, that's like the overview and I'm, I'll shut the fuck up, but I was curious what y'all think so far. Yeah. The first time I heard you say that, I was like, okay, let's see. And, you know, watching the movie and, you know, his scenes, he's clearly like, an image type that that was uh image was such a huge theme for mm-hmm. his character and reactive too i, I wanted to look into the, the actor who played him because i, I don't think it's it's kind of difficult to uh, pull off that sort of withdrawn reactive frustrated um quality just the affect it seemed mm-hmm. really realistic because the way the guy was playing him felt like i was watching a four like an actual four <laughs> if an actual mm-hmm. four was a serial killer like it would be this um really frustrated reactive but like i'm ugly and un unattractive you know like a sexual four is mm-hmm. this frustration affect of i'm performing this ritual to become what i believe is going to be wanted yeah it's just it really i think there's the scene where he's he's watching the girl that he has a crush on um, get taken home by another guy, you know, even he's imagining that, that this is someone that she likes or that she's attracted to. And then just the image of like, uh, him imagining and getting worked up on that, Uh, even though like all that happened was that the guy just picked some hair or a piece of whatever that was stuck in her hair. He made it out into this whole like mind blowing romantic image and i was like yep that's sexual image type right there <laughs> yeah like for listeners who haven't seen mandarin which fucking see it it's great uh it's so beautiful like it's so aesthetic it's like mm-hmm. the cinematography is just incredible and like the the i think the will graham character is kind of cheesy and there is a certain cheesiness to the movie which for me in a sense enhances it because it's like yeah. it's like <laughs> distilled 80s you know um totally. But yeah, the the director has such an amazing way of framing things with color and there's just a deliberateness to it. And it's like, a, it's just such an ex- aesthetic experience. And so there is this scene where Tooth Fairy, Dollar Hyde, he's, um, he works in some kind of in- image or film and, and photograph processing, like the kind of, kind of a place that like, if you send your, like back when they took um, regular <laughs> photos or whatever, they had to print out at a store that's like, like the actual home videos. Film. Yeah, like yeah. actual film, like you'd send it into this place to get it processed and they'd send it to like your CVS or whatever that you pick up from there. So he's, he works in a dark room basically. And one of his coworkers is this uh, blind woman. And one of the things about uh, Dollar Hyde is he's like, he's not bad looking, but he's like bald and tall and lanky. And he's got like a cleft lip that he's really ashamed of. And um, this woman who's blind can't see him. And she starts to get feelings for him. 
And despite all, like during, during all the time that he's doing these killings, which he's doing them according to the full moon, because he's transforming, like the moon transforms. uh, She like, she like ends up at his place and they hook up and he's like falling in love with her. And it's like, as you're watching this, even though you know how horrible the character is, you're sort of touched by it. Mm -hmm. And there's this scene though, where a coworker drives the blind woman home and dollar hide tooth fairy is like in his van, like waiting for her to get home. And, it's this like cute scene where she pulls up and he like sort of smiles and they walk the the blind woman and the coworker walk to the front door and uh the coworker you see him dollar hide watching them and uh as as the coworker pulls some like pollen off of her hair or something you know she's blind she you know whatever uh you see from dollar hide's perspective and it's like backlit in this like pink neon and the song is really intense and you see it looks like she is being caressed by him and that she is sort of like, like, you know, like swooning with desire at this guy's touch. And, and also the, the guy is like four inches taller in his imagination. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Oh, it's like, God. Because the guy's shorter than the woman is. But in his imagination, he's like, you know, it's like this per- picture perfect, like romantic scene where he's taller than she is. And I was like, wow. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, and the coworker is like this short little nerd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so then like you see him like rip up the uh, dollar hide, rip up the in- some interior the lining dashboard. of his car dashboard. Yeah you know, out of rage. And then he ends up killing the coworker and abducting uh, the blind woman who he's trying to, you know, like she goes, Francis, his name's Francis. Francis, are you there? He says, there's Francis is gone. You know, that he's the red dragon now. Oh. And, and, you know, he's trying, he's like got this weird fucking apartment and he's like, or house or something. And he's like, him struggling with whether to kill her or not is like where the climax starts to happen. But, Watching that scene, I think is the 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 scene where he's mistaking the pollen with this whole desirous thing like hit me so fucking hard. Yeah. (laughs) I relate so fucking hard to this, like like I'm you know very jealous of my partner's exes and things like this. And like the images that I can, if I'm not watching myself, like they just come up of like intense longing and sexual desire and sexual rapture that i like project and 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 like burns in me sometimes is so fucking intense yeah Uh, and it's like replacing the real images of what happened with your own images Mm -hmm. right yeah that was that was the scene where i was like holy shit like did somebody you know how do you come up with this scene, this character, this is such a bullseye for sexual four. Like it's as a sexual type, I can relate somewhat, but it's even right. more specific because it's about image, you know, mm-hmm. like like it was just such an intense image center experience from a sexual type point of view. And I was like, I've never seen that. Um, to that how it was just like zoomed in on that to that degree. I was like, that's fucking incredible. Yeah, that envy and rage and jealousy and frustration and self-rejection and self-hatred was all like so distilled in that that quick bit of film you know and you know one of the things about the tooth fairy killer is that like part of the ritual aspect of the killings is to become someone desirable Mm -hmm. and that the that the mirrors in the eyes of his victims are like ways to be to see desire in their eyes 
and that through this like bizarre way that he is trying to he does these killings in the moonlight that you know getting blood everywhere and all over himself and things like that um and as as hannibal lecter says to will graham like he says do these houses have big uh you know well-shaded backyards and graham's like yeah and he's like well that's probably uh he says something about being in blood in the moonlight suggesting that there's a whole aspect of this ritual where the tooth fairy killer goes out there and is like basking in the moonlight or something like this in his transformation and so there's this whole there's a self-rejection and and that's punctuated by all this frustration it's not just poor self-esteem it's like this really intense uh self-rejection that comes out of the frustration that i think is really core to four which is the the indiscrepancy between uh my like my personality and my my day-to-day functioning and being a person in the world and this inner felt sense of what and who i really am and how you see both the self-hatred and the grandiosity that results from that in these characters also interesting that he puts mirrors in the women's eyes because that's actually sort of converse to everything you said it's a kind of narcissism because he's mm-hmm. he would he would be seeing his own reflection in their mm-hmm. eyes right exactly yeah it's yeah. like very self-absorbed and narcissistic and yeah yeah it's like seeing their desire for him and it's not really yeah. even about his own desire yeah um, yeah that part kind of confused me because like i don't get him seeing himself and then seeing desire i don't i don't understand that i mean i think it has a lot to do with just like the nature of narcissism right like when you're you're just like total layers and layers of self-absorption and so keep in mind also that he's like got these these teeth in i guess when he's doing this and he's got this tattoo and he seemingly i don't know if he has the mask he has in the movie Mm -hmm. for that one scene where he's torturing the uh the dude yeah the uh journalist or whatever but Mm -hmm um but he's like like that scene yeah that scene was pretty dope do you see do you see and again it's like image do you see like do you understand do you understand the other other thing too with the mirrors too is besides the idea of him seeing himself uh these women are dead and he's putting mirrors in their eyes and in a way to put mirrors in somebody's eyes is to keep the eyes alive mm-hmm. right because because the eyes are still reflecting what's really going on still outside right so to exactly. speak yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> you sounded really excited about that david oh, I <laughs> did not love that that was that was juicy <laughs> which made me think about the you know the 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 blind girl because I mean, he really liked her for real yeah and it was easier to like her for real when he didn't have to deal with the her reaction to what he looked like to me part of the deal there is it wasn't exactly clear really where she was necessarily on feelings to me about him it was Mm -hmm. just as much to me about her having a sexual experience actually Mm. so that kind of makes it um you know borderline um could even be adversarial in some sense in the context of what he wants oh so you're saying that um it, it was pretty direct from point a to point b in terms of just her well, i think she was using him for him. sex yeah right hmm. 
Well, well I mean, the, there was a part where she was like, you know, you're you're such a thoughtful man. Sure. Like she, you know, because the the scene with her and the tiger, because he took her to go see, like mm-hmm. he offered to take her home, and he took her to go see. Um, surprise, took her to go see a, a tiger True. who was being sedated. And it was such a powerful experience, and he was just really getting off on the fact that um, he had such a you know huge effect on her. She was she was crying, at, and then so they finally got back to his place, and she was so affected and turned on, and you know he gave her a drink, and she basically jumped him at that point. I think I think that whole thing from a sexual type anyway, it was just like it was like sort of a mating dance thing, and she was really into it. True. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying she didn't have feelings, but yeah, and that scene was interesting too. That that scene with the tiger because that was like sort of like you know that the tiger's almost a, a red dragon. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean? exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, um, in that scene, he's like showing her his real self in some way. You know, that's it. Yeah, and then he also at one point during the beginning when they didn't know who the killer was didn't they say that he might be impotent with the opposite sex and so maybe they were like planting him- that as a story to mess with him oh okay because <laughs> i knew missed he, that because i was like oh wasn't. well he's having this sexual ex- experience with this woman for the first time but like oh okay <laughs> i misunderstood yeah. that they knew they he that, was they sexually did narcissistic gotcha yeah. okay yeah, they like made a bunch of shit in the newspaper, like, oh yeah, he probably slept with his mother, and you know all this stuff because they oh, knew that he was okay. sexually narcissistic given the nature of the crime. Okay, that's why he killed that reporter. I was, I was, uh, that's why it was so enjoyable. I was like, yeah, cut this dude's head off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I gathered that much. <laughs> so another element I thought was really interesting is in the final like climax when he's he's like he Dollar Hyde is like at his place and Will Graham is like knocked unconscious and he's like shooting people like how rigid and stiff his movements mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how disembodied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought that was a really great touch because it's like the whole thing is he's not embodied. Like he's very like even the way that he mm. So the way he tracked the or like chose his victims, which were across different states, so it was hard for people to figure out like why he was choosing who he was choosing. Was that working in this video lab or this film development lab, he would get all these like home movies and he would memorize like what their the layout of these people's homes was like and who their pets were and all these kind of things based on what just watching and watching and watching an image and image and image. And so there's this like, I think that you know, the, the nature of the killings and all the stuff was like based in the imagination image realm. And then the blind woman, I think her name was Reba. Um, like that was like a real relationship. It was like mm-hmm. outside the con- confines of just symbolism and, mm-hmm. and inward stuff. And it was like, she, you know, she wasn't like head over heels in love with him. Cause it was a new thing, but it was like, Oh, now I'm having to like be vulnerable in a way that is outside of my image shit. And I, and mm. I thought that was like, part of what made it sort of sweet and human and you know it was like yeah she was clearly like horny for him but it was like (laughs) a genuine horny you know (laughs) yeah right that's true so i want to talk about hannibal lecter who i think is a three and his thing and then like watching silence of the lambs brought out a bunch of stuff about clarice uh jodie foster's character that was interesting but just to connect that back to buffalo bill buffalo bill is uh you know he's he's abducting women he is skinning them and uh, trying to make like a woman's suit 
And there's this whole thing where he's like, Hannibal, you know, this would not be made in like this today, right? <laughs> like very transphobic. But it's, he's like, Hannibal Lecter says like, um, Buffalo Bill is not a real transsexual, you see. You know, like he just his identity. And uh, that he is, you know, he grows these sort of uh, Asian moths that have the death's head moss that symbolize transformation. He puts them in the throats of the bodies. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's this whole thing where he's, yeah, he's trying to become something else. And so, th you know, that, that emphasis on transformation and transformation through ritual seemed to be kind of in the fore and, and through, through image and stuff like that. But, but what, what stood out to me in watching Silence of the Lambs again yesterday was the like the sexual element in terms of the different like the the male female thing where uh and I'm, I'm i don't know where i'm going with this but like clarice is a young female fbi agent and it's implied that like the reason uh her superior sends a young inexperienced you know trainee to deal with hannibal lecter is because he's kind of into her is at least what i got there was yeah there's kind of a split in the movie where she's really clearly to me a six in the movie mm -hmm. clarice's mm -hmm. and and she's split between these two fathers hannibal lecter is a father and jack crawford her boss is a father and she's sort of like equally very equally split between the two of them in terms of her you know uh, i don't know reverence for both of them in a certain way that's interesting because I saw Clarice as, as a nine. Okay. Um, and in part, so like she goes to interview Lecter. Lecter tries to, you know, like kind of gets in her head and messes with her and, and kind of shuts her out. And as she has to walk back from his cell past these like, you know, worst of the worst guys um, yeah. to go back home or whatever, uh, a, a, an inmate in a nearby cell has masturbated and flicks semen on her. And Lecter takes that as like a huge insult and uh, just agrees to like, you know, continue interacting with with uh, Jodie Foster's character, you know, ends up convincing this other inmate to kill himself and all this kind of stuff. But she starts he starts dropping her clues and throughout the movie. So to get to Hannibal Lecter, she like the first like her boss is kind of kind of into her. And then this guy does his like weird sexual stuff. And then the uh, Dr. Ch Chilton, who's like the head of the hospital that Lecter's in, is like trying to hit on her. And at the last minute, he like tries to put like cancel their meeting, kind of do a power move. And Clarice like kind of flatters him like, oh, I, I, I did this because I missed your company. So she's like very non-reactive to me throughout the whole thing. And... When she's with Lecter, who's a three, and part of his three powers is like, unlike the other killers, like he can read people immediately and has this like real capacity, like a, you know, in a three ish sense to like get inside people and kind of adapt and, and, uh, and play with other people. And with, with Clarice, he can't really play with her in a certain way. Like she gives, she's, she lets herself be vulnerable with him in a way that I think he's like endeared by, which seems to me kind of nine ish. But then he, she is able to fuck with him in terms of figuring out not only what his, like, his anagrams and the way he's throwing people off his scent, but she does this whole fake proposal that he's going to get all these benefits if he cooperates. And she's the one person, one character that can get one over on him. Mm -hmm. True.
Yeah. And he starts to respect uh, her from that. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, um, well, I'm pretty attached for 20 years to her being a six. So uh-huh. we have to do <laughs> yeah. that debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the classic, you know, policewoman six thing of her just doing all the right stuff, the training, the just, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. And this, and the, that sort of, and she's got a, and her real, it's that, it's also that father connection thing, because not only is it Lecter and her boss, but there's also a really strong connection to her own uh, father who has died, you know, at mm. the point, um, and so forth. And it's just, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just to me, the whole, the stock, yeah, she might be a six with a nine fix might be the compromise here, I'd make. <laughs> here, here's like my perspective on that. Like, I think, the uh my perspective on manhunter the guy doing in the investigation there that to me seemed like a fair nine character like how yeah. a nine would go about trying to solve a case which is losing themselves in the perspectives and the dreams and the wishes mm-hmm. of the killer and sort of the six uh he was david uh, as a cop yes. <laughs> yeah yeah 100%. absent from his family you know just completely absent like from not the there. real world <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. in he dream loses world. himself in imagination so bad that he has to go into a psych ward <laughs> yeah but mm-hmm. uh but because imagination really played a um like a, a an underscore theme of manhunter but with um, Silas and the Lambs, there's there's some kind of like a sixth theme of dealing with these overbearing kind of male figures, and um, I think felt like uh, dealing with authority figures and navigating male authority figures, like the even the way it was shot, a lot of the stuff from the male gaze, like these this foreboding presence mm-hmm. of men you know, looming over her and all and her speaking she- up too. you know, she had a reactive thing like with those, like all the guys when they went to do that autopsy or whatever it was, uh, whatever you call that on the, the one girl that they found. And she mm-hmm. sort of found her voice and said, you guys clear out of here. We need to do this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean it was more six, six ish to me. And she even gave her boss some, you know, advice about how he should be and not, you know sort of treat her in a certain way because other men are gonna uh emulate him or whatever anyway and and also like i think part of what makes roles really good like it's when when a certain actor is playing true to their type Mm. it's really hard for like um um a six to play off like to pull off what the guy in manhunter did like that's some that the guy playing him seemed like a nine as well like Mm. just that sort of dreamy uh lost quality um and and um the actress playing clarice is a real life six and that sort of the eye movements and the sort of uh the look of uh anxiety that she has in her eyes like that you can't really fake that or it's hard to ignore that like i guess six energy in you know investigator who's fearful but also brave and sort of still reverent of this sort of uh authoritative figure that she has to deal with those are all really good points because like one of the scenes that struck me early on was when she goes to lect she figures out like one of lector's anagrams and figures out that it's like a storage units that he owns and uh she gets into it and there's this whole scene where she's trying to open the door of the storage unit but it's like jammed 
and the guy she's with is like too old to help her and she's like what about your driver and he's like oh he doesn't do labor and so she has to like do it herself you know there's this sort of mm-hmm. the structures or the supports aren't really there so i have to keep moving forward myself mm-hmm. uh theme but i also see a lot of the non-reactivity and the kind of like you can't touch me quality of nine in her like mm. that that to me seemed what lector respected in her um but you know i think like I think that there's are re- like readings in, in both sense because it's a character rather than a sure. fixed person. But I think yeah, I think there's a lot of really good arguments for six. I think she knows the enneagram. What's her face? Jodie Foster. Yeah, she types as mistypes as a five, but uh, she, she knows <laughs> yeah. The yeah, I was I was interested though in like uh, you know like I haven't quite clicked it together. Like her her journey is is definitely has a lot to do with her being female and like yes yeah. There is a way in which, unlike the other character, the male characters who are trying to prove something or do something, like even Lecter is trying to like impress people with his how intimidating and how smart he is, and <laughs> uh, Buffalo Bill is trying to transform, and uh, the Doctor Chitlin is trying to be famous, and all this other shit. Like Clarice has this sort of open vulnerability that she uses to create a relationship with Lecter that uh, that gets where she's trying to go. But I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how that how that theme ties into the way Buffalo Bill was trying to transform. It like wasn't like a trans, like wasn't, I mean, arguably, it wasn't like a transsexual thing where he like feels like he's really a woman on the inside. It had something to do with like trying to move toward that feminine energy and trying to integrate it in some way that was like kind of, you know, that was fucked up, but it was like, I, I read it at least as like what, what that character was going for was something of the feminine that Clarice herself embodied. Does that make sense? Hmm. That, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking of it, I guess, in some sense of like um, an idealized androgyny, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. some kind of um, symbolic, yeah, just integration that would then sort of like in you know with the sort of red dragon imagery that you know then you are trans you know you're metamorphosized into into some higher being or something maybe mm-hmm. right yeah. Yeah. right that's that scene where he's dancing to like goodbye horses by lazarus q uh, and is that the, like oh, will you fuck me I'd fuck yeah uh-huh. <laughs> there's a lot of like goddessy kind of imagery to me images to me and like mm-hmm. the way he's you know he's identified with this moth and like he tucks his junk and he does that like thing where you know like whatever i don't know what that fuck is thing is called but when, when guys can like tuck their junk and it looks like <laughs> they don't have junk or something yeah and then he like you know brings his arms out with this like technicolor coat or something like that and it's like very wings and gar- like kind of goddessy yep. Got, yep. he's got the wig of a woman scalp on you know and stuff like this uh it was just it was just also very image and very but like in like transcend transcending like he wasn't gonna have a human life as a woman like he's wearing a mm-hmm. he's gonna wear a woman's suit but it wasn't like to go to the store and you know <laughs> make friends it was like spiritual yeah yeah and lector was really imagey too i mean he mm-hmm. was visual artist and so forth and he was you know cued in on different things around people's image like the senator 
mm-hmm. you know, when they meet, love your suit, you know, that kind <laughs> <Right>. of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff, yeah. And even uh, his whole, uh, like, there's that scene where he gets transferred to that, like, I don't know what it is, but it's like a hotel that they turn into a prison for him. Yeah. Where after he yeah. gave information leading to Buffalo Bill's identity, like, that, where he makes his escape, that whole facility or whatever. He gets privileges to like draw and to have his music and stuff. And it's like, there's a scene where he like ends up like the, the, the guards that give him food, he kills and he's listening to music as one of them is like limping yeah. away or something. And it's like <laughs> so phony and like, you know, like, like flamboyant fancy boy and his whole, you know, even his comment earlier in the movie when he first meets Clarice, where he says something like someone tried to do this to me and I, ate his liver with flava beans or whatever. It's like so fancy boy, social self-pres three stuff. Oh, big time. And, and then that, and then that, that, that scene you're talking about with the, where he kills the guards, there's a, there's a, they don't, it's like a two second shot where he's strung up that one guard and it's, and it's similarly this grand operatic uh, sort of stage thing that he did with the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That yeah, the whole that whole thing like had an art artistry to it. Uh, yeah. So I don't have any conclusions yet or anything, but uh I just thought that these like were really interesting examples of like fictional, you know, aesthetic symbolic examples of of image and how it works. And you know, I didn't I don't know if there's like a comparable to serial killer or something character, but the whole thing that i think is so interesting is their different expressions of to me how the 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 identity the felt sense of identity that is the preoccupation of the heart types feels bigger than the world like not in the sense of more narcissistic can be i guess but like it feels like it's it's more than can be expressed in a human life and that like the sense of being a person is like limiting on that sense of identity like that identity is you know, I think has like a spiritual root, like it, it, it's that sense of what you really are and how your day-to-day life fails to sort of live up to or express that real felt inner sense mm-hmm. and how both are all, both of the four characters and the three character emphasized or represented this, you know, a sick version of trying to be something like operatic, trying to be something that is you know, it's the problem of, of the image types in general is like, try, like trying to be what you are and is the task that the image types feel like they're trying to do all the time. And how, like, at least for the four, there's a constant frustration that your, your day-to-day felt sense of identity, your day-to-day experience, your body, the circumstances you're in are like deeply, deeply disappointing and deeply, deeply cheap compared to uh, how special the inner life feels. I'm reminded of something Nancy said on one of the pods. Um, just when somebody says, be yourself, <laughs> it's like, what? Like, what are you <laughs> even talking about to an image type? Because being yourself is so not, you know, grand in an images, imagistic sense. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, it's like, what do you mean by self? Because there's like the day to day, like there's a million selves. There's there's the day to day, the self, and then at least for four. Speaking as a four, 
there is like a self that is like located on the astral plane. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's like, yeah. it is the red dragon or is the androgynous <laughs> thing or is the thing that's mm-hmm. like, it's like got a divine feeling to it. a special mm-hmm. feeling that can never be re- like, a, like an artwork that can never be realized in the materials of this world. Mm-hmm. So there's constant disappointment. That's what the envy is, is this constant sense that like, it's not like necessarily I'm so special, but it's like this, this sense of something sacred and spiritual can never be in this world. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, a lot of people say I'm really good at being myself. And I always think that's kind of odd. Um, like a lot of people are like, oh, wow. Like, I'm, it's so cool that you're just so like willing to be yourself. Like, first of all, I feel like that's kind of a backhanded compliment, but. <laughs> how, <laughs> like, how is it a back? I don't even know what they're trying to say about what Well, I understand what they're kind of, what they're trying to say, but like, I just think that's kind of a weird way of saying it. But what they're saying is like, I wish I could, um, be as weird and not normal as you is what they're saying and or something along those lines and yeah and i don't know it's just it's weird to me because none of it is like trying to be myself because i'm never going to just give the world my whole self like i'll give you parts of it and i just change which part i'm showing you and like i can't encompass all of that in one if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I can be myself, but there's like so many of them. I can't be them all at once. So can you say more about the different selves? Like, like when, when, when I don't remember exactly what was said and you, but your response was like, well, there's so many selves or something like that. Can you, yeah. Cause I think that's where four and three get different. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it doesn't feel like there's one true. I wish there was one true self, but it doesn't ever feel like that's, accurate it feels like like there's my super bisexual version of myself that's like really outwardly gay and like all about it there's the you know I'm in love with my fiance version of myself and I just walk around with hard eyes all the time there's the I dye my hair orange and I want to be a punk rock band person part of myself like there's and then there's the professional part of myself like there's no one part and I can't be them all at once. It's almost like you're fully committing to, at certain points, you might be fully committing to a certain character that, a character that you've played before that represents a part of you, but you can't play all those characters at the same time. Yeah. And none of them aren't me. And Mm -hmm. so I've just kind of started, like, I used to get really annoyed with that. Like I would be, I would be annoyed with myself because I would feel like I was lying to people all the time. But what I've come to the conclusion of is like, just be however you feel right now. And that's true to what's happening for you mm. right now. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to go with that because obviously we're not going to get to a point where I can just be one person. <laughs> <laughs> that's impossible. <laughs> so uh, maybe don't strive for that. I feel like in contrast to four, like the threes ideal identity or ideal is, sounds too foreign, but the, like the higher identity or something that, that is trying to be expressed through action in the world it feels like it's potential you know like Mm, yeah Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's what threes are always so sensitive to is potential and possibility and that there's any number of ways to actualize that possibility in time and space through achievement and through whatever but um whereas like before it's like really defined 
Like <laughs> it's overly defined sense of self. Whereas like the three has this like potential self. And, and I think that when threes like love somebody, they're, they're really good at honing in on other people's like potential. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and that's what makes us really good at uh, reading people, I think, because we can see their potential and we can kind of see what they're not mm. being that they mm -hmm. could be. And therefore, if we really want to dig a knife in, we can like in Manhunter when Hannibal Lecter was like really kind of like needling the um, uh, Graham guy. I could I was like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what you just spoke to does speak also to Lecter in Silence of the Lambs with, um, like, I feel like that's what he was struck by with Clarice, where, like, he saw her potential. Like, he saw that she, mm -hmm. like, he couldn't quite figure her out immediately. Like, she had something, she had a certain kind of depth that he couldn't figure out. And I think it was because her motivation was, like, the name of the Silence of the Lambs comes from a story she tells him about childhood where she was living on a farm and she heard these baby lambs being slaughtered and tried to save one and couldn't. And that, you know, Lecter postulates that the reason she's motivated to solve these crimes crimes in general is to silence the lambs, the screaming of the lambs in her. And, you know, that's like, that's a very selfless motivation. I mean, it's a motivation that comes from empathy. Mm -hmm. And like Lecter, you know, that it touches on different, cases that he's experienced and it's everybody's very self-absorbed and selfish and whatever and Lecter himself is like basically just trying to be the biggest baddest most impressive smartest guy and here's this very genuine person in front of him and he was yeah. like you're bet the world's better with you in it is what he said to Clarice yeah there's a couple of moments where they you know it's a shot of Anthony Hopkins character as she's telling her story or after she's just finished it where he's obviously gone into a different place internally and you see that on his face and it's be it's because of something he's getting from her innocence that's a, a you know a different kind of um uh state for him than his normal way of being mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah as um just as an aside i kind of in my head when i watch these movies I can totally see myself like playing like um like talking my way out of a um like a moment where I got stolen because I'm like yeah I could totally like find their weakness and be like oh your father left at a young age good to know like and just uh -huh. I could totally see myself talking my way out of that just because like I, you can just kind of feel into what they are at the moment as a three. John, huh. when you say like with four, the idealized self-image or whatever you want to call it is a singular entity mm -hmm. um is it is it somewhat continually morphing evolving in some way or how would you describe it along those lines so i always think of what like the way i think of the heart center is that two three and four have they represent different ways that all people try to express and to know and express their identity so two knows and expresses identity through relationship like you know we all know parts of ourselves through uh how we show up in relationship three is a part of us that knows and expresses that our sense of identity our potential through actualization through action and achievement and four is i'm going to hone in on what is uniquely mine 
that's not a product of my upbringing, uh, my background, of any kind of conditioning, like what's uniquely my own. Mm-hmm. And so it's something, it's like a point, or I sometimes use the term kernel, like a, like a point that uh, is just absolutely uncontaminated by anything. And so there is a sense that it does transform and does move. And it's not like super well-defined, but it's like very, it's like when you know it, you know it kind of feeling. Mm. You know when you're out of sync with it. And that like a lot of the fours grief and frustration is when they're out of sync with that identity. But there is a sense of it becoming deeper. Like it doesn't change necessarily in the sense of many different expressions or, you know, even growth necessarily. Like maybe a three might frame it, but like mm-hmm. it gets deeper, it gets richer, it gets like, you know, and and in the in the using the movies as an example, like you know, uh, the dollar hide tooth fairy character has taken the red dragon as like a, as an expression of this, an image or symbol of this identity. And it gets more elaborated, you know, and like, uh, it gets more like fleshed Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. and, and it's more like this potential gets more expression through like, Oh, here's the tiger. Here's the teeth. Here are the actions. It's like almost the opposite of, I don't know if opposite of three is the right way, but it's it's not as it's not like I'm gonna do a bunch of things to show my value or my show my identity. It's like these are all things that resonate with the like more platonic that, ideal of identity. That make it more specific. Yes. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's like maybe uh you start off with this very specific minute drawing and then the four is like filling out the rest of the painting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, um, well, like even take like the painting of the red dragon. Like, I don't know what William Blake's process was, but from my own sense of painting, it's like, you get this sense of like awe and power and power in relation to uh, a complementary counterforce. It's the woman clothed in the sun or, you know, it's like, Mm-hmm. the masculine power and chthonic red dragon charge. It's like a, the dragon is not just a dragon. It's like a human dragon and the feminine lightness. And, and it's like, you can, you can feel that like even just that painting gives you a, like a, a hit of a feeling before mm-hmm. you can cognitively put it apart. And like, that's often how, when I paint, there's this like, boom, this like impression that can't really, no words or a single image can really capture it, but a painting then is a way to symbolically arrange elements to sort of evoke that same space as much as possible, as accurately as possible. And so I think the same thing is true with identity for four, at least, is like, I can never be that initial impression, that initial kernel, but I can arrange things and live in accord with things that are evocative of that original source but the more unhealthy I am as a four, the more I'm focused on arranging things to be reflections of that identity rather than having a, a felt sense of that identity that's ongoing. Yeah, just watching Manhunter, it's, I felt like, you know, this guy's so lost in the representation of this ideal um, sense of himself that it's, he's not even being a human anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like playing out the ritual of, I am becoming, you know, this, this Mm -hmm. thing. And so that's, I guess that's what the fixated for can be is, is, you know, 
the uh, the continuous process of becoming the ideal versus actually being a human. Exactly. Fucking exactly. Right, because him and his him as a human probably wouldn't be that bad, but yeah, him he'd as just be a normal guy, yeah, yeah like works at a video thing, and whatever. right, he'd just be normal. Like there would be no issues. He seems to have a really dope apartment. Like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I felt really a, a little bit sad for him because when he was like, you know, there was a real thing between mm-hmm. him and that blind girl, yeah. and like it was actually happening. And like when he was imagining this whole thing with that that jealousy imagination that he was mm-hmm. having and you knew what was going to happen next i was like man you got no hope to to be to have anything this you're stuck in this you know yeah. like cycle. fucking rit- ritualistic uh trying to become the red dragon thing and you're never going to be a human like he's so frustrated and so reactive that he's not even in reality yeah right but- like he could have had like a, a nice relationship that's like normal, but like there's real pa- love and passion and attraction and, and he's desired for, you know, who he is. And he's, yeah. you know, she like, you know, you bring a blind girl to a, a sleeping tiger and she could get freaked out and be like, you're, you're a weirdo. And she's into it. And, you know, it's like, right. You found the right lady. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. That's like, you know, like as a four when you're like, here are my paintings. And, you know, and <laughs> And it's like, do you do you see? You know, when he's <laughs> flipping that slideshow, do you see? It's like, oh, she saw. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, the, it's not maybe like the the red dragon and the woman clothed in the sun, but it's it's like actually real. And he could have had that. And oh, you know what? Fascinating as a metaphor too that she's blind and she could right. see. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, because it. I guess it was better that she was blind because she wouldn't be distracted by like what he really is, but she could see yeah. symbolically what he wanted to represent it as yep. himself. And because she was so into it, like, you know, like a sleeping tiger is like, okay, what the fuck? But she was really moved by it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that scene for me was like, this is like some, that was another thing that stood out to me about the movie. Cause it's rare to see, um, sexual types or a sexual type character depicted like mm-hmm. his entire, sense of itself was based on the reaction of who he was attracted to and that scene where he had took her to the where he had took her to the tiger and and she was having such a visceral reaction and she was really into it and then and then she said that you know you're such a thoughtful uh i think and tender man and that's what every sexual type is going for it's like let me do this thing for you that's gonna show you this inner world yeah, like it's going to show you something that's really me and, and it's not just, yeah, like that represents me in, in a very distinct kind of way. And I want to see what your reaction is going to be to that. And that she was really moved by that is like, what else do you want, man? You've got it all. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, maybe this is just me or whatever, but as a sexual type, it's like, uh, yeah, there was this, this scene like after like the morning after they have sex and like he goes out and just like it's like are you okay like you know that's his like mm-hmm. line too like everything's yeah, yeah. get you coffee mm-hmm. whatever he does you mm-hmm. yeah i saw john there <laughs> yeah that was I, I saw me there i know she um, wasn't in the bed and he like ran out he's like oh my god yeah uh <laughs> i was watching there, the film i was like i know john's screaming himself watching this movie right here. This, yeah this is, this is him <laughs> there, there's this whole thing though too where it's like 
as this elite, you know, and, and you can tell me if this is your experience or not, but like as a sexual type, there's like, I have to have this huge fucking display. I have to be interesting. I have to have talent. I have to have talent here, here, and here. I have mm-hmm. to be fun. I have to be funny. I have to be, uh, in, you know, intelligent and deep and what, you know, all the stuff to be attractive. And it, like, I have to fuck really good. I have to have a big dick. I have to do all this other shit, like <laughs> muscles, all this other stuff, like, like, look at all this stuff. But then really you kind of like want, like when she says that line of like, you're such a sweet man, like that's like, that's it. That's it. Like, <laughs> that's like Aww. all that stuff is to like, get, get the investment so that you can actually just like see the person, mm. you know, but it's like, the thing that actually is there is like actually pretty, it's not, I don't More know. More humble or something. Yeah, yeah. There's something there where it's like that's, but that all that display stuff seems to be, and all that performance, it's not to say it's not totally absolutely meaningful because I feel like I'm most myself when I have sex. Like that's. It's are you going to pick me? It, are you going to pick me? Yeah. Yeah, is yeah. That fucking yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wanting to be. I don't I don't like the word chosen, but it's like there has to be some kind of deliberate choice that what I'm doing that mm. is really me and this sort of my personality as a, a vehicle of interestingness is mm. really doing something for you in a you know that sets me apart from any random person mm. who might be attractive for various reasons. Like this is there's some kind of chemical reaction going on here that can't be replicated and there is a real yes going on and you know like that feeling when he knew that he had an effect on her like it, a real because i mean he just he didn't i don't even think he'd ever really hung out with her before he was just going to take her on a ride home and he had he took her on a surprise you know this is the sexual you know uh right. i'm going to inject some um provocation here and she cried you know, she when she was because she was so affected that right. That moment to me was just like, you know, yeah. that and he was getting high off of that. That was like a sexual type representation. It's like someone is getting off on the thing that you're doing that you feel is really you uh, and they really see it and they, and they really recognize it and they choose they're sexually into you because of it. It's intoxicating. Um, but then there's like a collapse, you know, like the next day where you're just like, oh, my God, like. I can't believe that they're really into me. Like, I can't believe this is working. Like, it's just, mm. <laughs> I, can't I can't believe, believe they did. I can't believe they did pick me. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, because the sexual type fear is that, I believe maybe this is some four stuff mixing in. It's just like, it's doomed. Like, no one is ever really going to want <laughs> the real me totally. if they really totally. saw the full picture. So, like, you're, you're mm. doing all these things because, and and the fact that somebody's actually into it is unbelievable and so you kind of collapse like oh my god she's actually into it you know totally like yeah like you want her to like pet the tiger and like want to be in like enmeshed with a tiger you know like whatever the tiger symbolizing it's like Mm -hmm. that that thing that seems like no one else can get it you want it to reach in a way that nothing else can touch it. And so like, then, then it goes to like, so they have this very profound experience, uh, dollar hide and, and Reba, the blind woman. And then, you know, but he, he throws it all away for his envy over like a, a, a miscommunication or a misperception yeah. in his own imagination. And it's like, you know, it's it, as I think, at least speaking for myself as a sexual four, it's like very hard to uh, separate where, 
okay, you might have experienced, like you as my partner or lover might have experienced all this meaning with me, that it's hard for me not to see how you could, like, am I really special? Like, is it, is it just something that you have with everybody? You know, it's like, what's yeah. actually, yeah. where is it actually for me or not? You know? That's the fear. That's, yeah. that's the, that's the kind of the engine that drives the sexual type to want to, um, you know, I've got to turn it up. Like I've got, and it's not just like what I did yesterday or last week or last month is enough. It's like, I continuously have to remind you yeah. of why you should kind of re up on your choice. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You have to, you, you have to start the fire every day. Restart it, it, the fire. Which sounds ridiculous because it's like one, you would think, Oh, you know, when your partner has chosen you and said, I pick you, I'm attracted to you. I want to be with you that's enough. No, it's not enough because yeah. you, they could go tomorrow next week and have another, have some kind of mind blowing experience with someone else. It's like, I've got to be the most galvanizing, you know, uh, kind of that experience. And so not only just whatever I did before, we've got to go to another type of, you know, we got to go into new frontiers. We've got to go deeper where it's like, I've got to make your yes bigger <laughs> than it was before. Yeah. Yeah, fuck. Stoking the flames. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> it's, thanks. It's, yeah, it's it's never over for sexual types. It's like we're always in in fear that whatever whatever reason you wanted to be with us is wasn't real or wasn't enough. It's to totally unstable. So it's right. It's just it's not designed for stability because you can't ever rest. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, just watching the film, just like uh, trying to understand what it must feel like or be like for someone to have your sense of self dependent on how you're being seen and reacted to by someone you're attracted to. Like, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. how limited mm -hmm. that is, first of all, yeah. um, that your self, your self esteem and everything that you do is culminating to this moment where this person that you are interested in and how they react to you know the impressive things that you might be doing that's that's what a sexual type is <laughs> yeah it's horrible fun fun <laughs> cool but i mean all the instincts suck it's just a, it's just yeah. because of sexual is so specific it's like literally living through the eyes of these women that he uh like he's needing to see himself being wanted through their eyes. I felt like that was a great metaphor for, you know, what sexual types are, are doing. It's like, you know, everything is, am I, the degrees of how I'm being wanted by this person, that's what my whole personality is here to, to manage and to strive for. Yeah, the wanting never sticks and never, never really feels right. like it's, com it's complete. And so I think for, what I've what I've learned how to to have to lean into is uh, my social instinct from the point of view of like realizing that like oh I'm I'm valuable as a person to this person you know yeah. like yeah. I can not be not just loved. an object an yeah like object. yeah yeah like there's other and there's ways that are maybe outside of the way my personality views myself that this person could be invested in me for yes and yeah. it could be really like 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 I can't really control attraction, but I can, I can just stay interesting and vibrant and, 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 and attuned and sensitive to the relationship 
and uh but like knowing that there's a like there's there's a larger world than just my like my my particular drives myopic focus and moment to moment like you, you dig this you dig this you dig this like there's there's other parts to me or there's just other aspects to relationships that are might be equally important or even way more important to other people like like mm-hmm. i've basically with the the sexual drive is just put a huge magnifying glass on one aspect of a relationship which is the sort of arousal uh attraction interestingness part which is important but like there are so many other parts of what a relationship is that matter a lot more to other people so you know i i discount the degrees that people might care about me and these other facets or even be connecting to me or you know really invested in me in these other ways that i don't value you know so it's like i'm i'm saying that this it's you've got to care about me in this way (laughs) real real relationships are actually social right (laughs) that explains a lot yeah Three. Yeah, us three. Why we never call? Why we never call Nancy? Exactly. Why I always have to do the calling, David. (laughs) I'm not bitter. (laughs) Not at all. No. (laughs) Well, I need to get going before my garage group, but uh, this is good. I think that uh, if uh, we should do more kind of things like unpacking cultural stuff or art or movies or something. I've yeah, never asked for the last juicy. airbender personally, but I know that's probably not you guys' style. That's so. too social. It's so social and I love it. <laughs> I've been told uh, well, I need to see it because it gets into the elements. It's, do not it, do not watch the movie. Do not is watch it the, the movie. What's it called? It's a show. Avatar the Last Airbender. Oh no. Mm-hmm. See you guys. <laughs> I is think it, uh, David would like it. Very nine nine world. Yeah, I'm I sure it's nine. Into it. Yeah, but it's probably really sexual last. I bet it's very sexual last. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is a bit of a problem. It's a bit of a I'm, problem. I'm pretty preju- prejudicial. Uh, oh, really? Slightly. Yeah. yeah. That's why I want to use you. But yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> All right, I gotta go. Okay, guys. Okay, guys. Later. Talk to you later. Bye. Deep as the river of desire The ashes and the fire Turn in this night inside And the light from you